A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 75, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hey folks, welcome to another cracker of a show, MLR Kickoff. We have guests from both New Orleans, Nola Gold coming in, and Old Glory DC. Four special guests joining us on the show, but the most special person, like every show, is none other than the professor, Pete Steinberg, PJ Rugby 9. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I survived uh, Christmas and New Year's and uh, I've had a few phone calls about some of the socials I put up, uh, maybe some late, <laughs> some festive weight gain on my behalf. So working hard to be fit and fighting by it, March it, 20th. Dan, at our age, it's always the shirt. Brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop. It's not you. It's not because you've put on a few pounds. The shirt was a little tight. And, 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 and here we go. You know, we used to do the travel tips. Now I'm going to give you the... Uh, um, the uh, um, old man dad tips. So what we do on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve is we celebrate British New Year's Eve. So at 5 p.m. we <laughs> we uh, crack open the champagne. We say Happy New Year's, and then the kids get to go to sleep, and then we get to go to sleep. But we still do New Year's. So anyone anyone that wants an early night, just just choose a country that's doing it before. Celebrate New Year's on 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 that day, and then and then you're good to go. Although I will say that we sort of didn't quite understand the COVID situation around the world. So we got onto YouTube. The BBC normally does the uh, um, the fireworks from yep. London. You know, they have the London Eye. It's always really good. And we turned it on and we're like, man, there are a lot of people there. And then we said, huh, this is probably last year's fireworks. They're probably not doing fireworks and gathering 100,000 people in London this year. So, but it was it was fun. Christmas, New Year was, was, uh, was good. Good for us too. Had a, um, a a great time with the family. So, but excited. Twenty twenty one. It's here, and a, a, the, it, you can almost taste Major League Rugby. It's so close. It is so close, and that is going to be the theme as we build up to it, Pete. We're going to interview people from opening round matches. So it'll be Nola taking on Old Glory in round one. We're going to get them on the show. Before we do, just want to thank our sponsors again. And the banter was brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the Rugby Shop. Great supporters of the show. And hopefully everyone got out there uh, over the Christmas break and, and bought plenty of gear for 2021. New Orleans fans, you're going to want to listen to this. This is some good stuff. First, we're going to jump in with your head coach, the OG of Nola Gold, Nate Osborne. Joined now by Nola Gold head coach, Aussie Nate Osborne, friend of the show, recurring guest, all-time legend. Nate, uh, now before we get started, are you the OG? Are you the last remaining original Major League Rugby coach? I am, mate, yes. Last man standing. 
Is that a, a, a reflection of talent and skill or just resilience? Uh, I think it's probably a mixture of both, mate, but I'd lean more resilient. <laughs> I, I actually think I fell perfectly into the right franchise with the right owners and general managers uh, and players that we got that um, allowed me to kind of be who I am. You know, I, I am who I am and you either love me or you don't. And I fell into the perfect franchise for me. Uh, and I think that's, you know, I love it. I love it down here. I love everyone that's involved in it and uh, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So, you know. Well, great. Pete and I certainly love you and we appreciate you joining us again. Tell us a little bit about uh, your longest off-season in history and what you've been doing during the pandemic to help build uh, NOLA Gold for 2021. Yeah, mate, it has been a long one. And I think, uh, you know, just hitting January and uh, feel the end in sight where we're going to start training and getting back into it and, and playing some rugby. But um, down here, we, took, we really took the opportunity uh, as an organisation uh, to say, let's do some of the things that we always say we're going to do, but we always run out of time. And that's uh, start a lot of youth programs, work with a lot of high school programs, uh, college programs in the area. Um, so I think it's been really rewarding for, for myself and the players um, to really get out in the community a bit more and, you know, start these programs and, and see all these young kids running around. And I think uh, in the long run, that's going to help us as a, as a franchise to, um, you know, get more people in the stands, but also people understanding, uh, you know, what Nola Gold Rugby is all about and also, with the high schools and colleges, giving them, uh, giving them that opportunity and that pathway uh, where we can keep some local kids local and, you know, and one day play for the gold. Yeah, that's definitely something that we've heard from a lot of the teams. It's sort of creating the future fans, right, right. By, by, by working um, with those kids. But let, let's talk a little bit about the NOLA Gold team. Can you talk a little bit and who you're most excited to see as an addition to the NOLA Gold? Um, yeah, and so, yeah, on the player side, uh, we worked really hard. Uh, in working out what you know I think going into your fourth season you, you kind of you know exactly how you want to play um, and, and that allows you to you know get players that really fit into what you're trying to do uh, rather than assemble a team and make a plan based on what you've got uh, so it's allowed us to go out and get guys like Devin Short um, and JP Duplessis, uh, Juan Capolero, um, Damien Stevens so we, we, we've brought in a lot of players that really fit the way that we want to play uh, and that we believe will add a huge amount uh, to that to that game plan. And, you know, not just on the field, but off the field uh, in terms of uh, guys like JP Duplessis, who is an unbelievable man, unbelievable leader uh, that can come in and really take over for someone like Con Foley, who, who was that guy for us, um, but, you know, add a dimension to us that, that you know, we've, I think we've been looking for in the midfield. Yeah, we, we can get a little nerdy, um, around back play, right? So I think that your team probably had the most versatile back line, pretty much, every, you know, everyone could play every position, but JP Duplessis is really a 12. Right. Right. Yeah. And so how do you, you know, that, how do you feel about getting a, you know, a 12 over the game line guy? What does that mean about what you can do with the rest of the back line? Yeah, I think it, it really, uh, it, it adds another dimension to us. Like I was talking about, um, Con's an unbelievable player uh, and he was unbelievable for us. But um, yeah, having a guy like JP that can, you know, really when the time's tough or, you know, things that we need to really get us that go forward ball uh, and feed our outside backs is a big deal. Um, I think even the, the addition of Juan Capolero, who's the 13th, uh, actually with 
with all the years we've been here and all the versatility we've had, we've never had somebody that's actually been a 13. We've always just made them the 13. You know, Tristan Blewett in, in a sense was a 13, but he always played a lot of wing as well uh, growing up. So uh, Taylor Howden had a great, had a great uh, little run there at 13 for a bit, but he was always a, a 10, 12. We just turned him into a 13. Uh, same as Carl Meyer. I'd never played 13 before last year. He was always a fullback or 10. So to get a guy that actually grew up being a 13 and played multiple years of 13, I think uh, that'll also help as well. It'll, it'll mean uh, that you have that understanding of, you know, what to do after that ball's gone forward or, you know, organizing guys outside him and things like that. That takes a little bit of time to, to learn if you're just learning it on the run, you know. Do you mind going back and talking us through a little bit about how that trade went down? with San Diego was, was JP Duplessis a guy that was on your radar? And then how did you initiate that talk with San Diego to get him over? Or was it something that was uh, done player to player, you know, old friend in New Orleans wants him down there or how did it all work out? Uh, mate, it, it's a, it's a weird way it worked out. I think JP Duplessis is on everybody's radar all the time. Like he's just an unbelievable player. Um, but we, you know, we just kind of heard through the grapevine that, um, that you know, he might become available uh, for whatever reason down in uh, uh, San Diego. And, you know, we, me and Ryan kind of looked at each other and thought, I think this is just a joke. I don't know why anyone would let a guy like that go. But Ryan being Ryan and the unbelievable general manager he is, he leaves no stone unturned. So he uh, went after San Diego and, you know, pushed the point and got it done. You know, that's basically how it came about. I don't know. I don't know exactly if they were ready to just completely let him go or if it was just like, if someone comes up with something, we'll let this guy go or whatever happened. But um, I think uh, we're excited about him coming down here. I think he, um, to me, it's the biggest trade in the history of the league. I know it's only a young league, but uh, to me to have a, a player of his caliber uh, switch teams uh, through a trade uh, and have the player be really excited and, and on board with it is uh it's a big deal for us. Yeah, a lot, lot of good players in the first three years, but he, he's my number one in, yeah, in right the back line. Yeah. I just think class player, he offers so much, like you said, on the field, but off the field as well and the quality of human he is. So excited to see him in the white and gold. Mate, let's talk a little bit about 2021. Let's turn our focus this year. You've kind of been building, like you said, over these first three years, coming into year four. What's going to get Nola Gold over the edge in 2021? How are you going to win that shield? Mate, I, I think it's, uh, it's a bit of a, a two-edged uh, sword for me. Um, we've revamped our attack, and I always thought our attack was good. I always believed that, you know, we had the attacking ability uh, to win a championship, but our defense was always lacking. Um, and I think it's one of those things that we, we really need to go back and look and, and concentrate and, you know, buy into that defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think we spend a lot of time uh, like down here. I was the only coach, you know, a lot of teams have different coaches to help with different things. I was a lot, the only coach for the first two years. So uh, adding uh, Kane Thompson last year and uh, him doing it again this year with uh, other guys helping out as well, you know, it's, it's a big, uh, big release for me to be able to look back and say, okay, I, I'm not just going to do what I know best is the attack. So we're going to spend a lot of time on attack. I think it allows us to, really concentrate on both sides of the ball a little bit more. Um, and I think our defense, if we can really buy in and improve our defense, I, I believe our attack's going to take care of itself. Uh, not to say that we're not going to forget our attack um, because we will do a lot of attack and we have uh, got some good plans to, to change up some of the stuff we were doing 
Um, like I said, with the players coming in, I think that's just going to add another element to our attack. But to me, it's defence. I think we, we want to be known uh, as a team that, you know, you come down here or we go there, we just, you know, bash the crap out of you. That's just basically, you know, buy in. That's how we're going to win it. Now, as you as you head into the season, lots of unknowns, right, around COVID. Yep. Um, do you guys have contingencies? Like, how does that work for um, your preparation? What's different, you know, as you get into your preseason um, because of the pandemic? How are you guys handling that? Um, yeah, I mean, there is. And it, it kind of goes, you know, week by week, I guess, a little bit. Um, but for us, like in New Orleans, we're, we're actually in a pretty normal situation. Like um, all of our colleges and high schools are playing. Um, we've been training the whole time, pretty much. Um, our local competition played. Um, so we're not worried about not being able to train or go to the gym or meet or do any of that stuff. Uh, it's going to be more around, I think, once we start playing some games. Um, you know, what happens is in certain situations in, in different cities, you know, or if uh, all of a sudden you're about to get on a plane and they say uh, these three guys have actually tested positive so they can't go and you have to bring up the next three guys to jump on that plane and, you know, and, and try and make sure that you have all those things in place. I think that's what's going to be the biggest difference for us. I know other cities uh, probably have a whole bunch of different things that they have to go through. Uh, we're probably lucky down here that um, we're in a situation where, not much is really going to change for us in terms of the preparation leading into the season. Now, as, as you've looked at um, other teams, who are the teams that you're most interested in? Who are the teams that like you think are going to be the ones that are going to really challenge you guys in the upcoming season? Um, I think, um, I think Toronto, I mean, uh, we didn't get an opportunity to play Toronto last year and I, and I, and I we, we all really wanted to, um, I know Toronto gets a lot of talk about, you know, how good they are, but you know, they've never beaten us. So uh, we take that to heart that we, we know that we, we like to beat Toronto, but I think they've done a good job of this off season as well with uh, adding some uh, Argentinian talent and things like that. Um, I think uh, New England with some of the guys that they've added, uh, I think they're going to be um, a lot better. I thought they were already a good team last year. I, I think they, uh, another year together, they're going to be a, you know, a team that, challenges uh for a, a spot in the east um with us uh on the other side um austin is a team that i really want to see play you know like i think austin uh they, they were kind of building something a little bit last year uh not necessarily you know title contenders as dan would love but uh, <laughs> i think uh, i think some of the pieces that they've added this year um i i see that they're going to be uh you know, a real challenge for those teams over there. Uh, you know, LA uh, obviously have put a lot of talent on paper, but, you know, we'll see what happens, how they can gel those guys together and those sort of things. Uh, I think they'll be a good team. Uh, and San Diego is the other one that I really want to get after as well. So they're probably the ones. I mean, I think if you look across the league in every situation, every team um, has done some good things, you know, and, and added some good players. And I think uh, that's sort of what how the league's going from year one to now you know if you look back uh with some of the teams now i mean including ourselves um you should be a lot lot better you know with things that has gone on but the new teams are always interesting to see how they go would well, be remiss of me not to go down memory lane a bit here nate because you are the og of mlr who's the toughest player you've coached against in the first three years the toughest player mate i think the toughest player was uh, Joshua Vichy. Mate, that bloke, 
could be. No, no, no. On the, on the field, not in the parking lot afterwards. On the <laughs> yeah, he, he had a bit of that in him as well. I did not even want to walk past him in the parking lot. Uh, he was a tough guy, mate. He was hard to bring down. He lived on the edge. He was a, he was a guy that was tough. Um, who else? Uh, I think Hanko's a pretty tough player. You know, like I think he, he he's, he's pretty hard to tough, uh, tough to coach against as well. Um, but then there's those other guys like um, that can turn a game that aren't necessarily the toughest guys, um, uh, like Peterson from and JP uh, Duplessis, JP Smith, those sort of guys that you know can control a game and turn a game on its head more so than you know bash in the parking lot. All right, outside of the gold mine on airline, best field to play at in MLR or to coach at for you, I guess. Um, to coach at, it's hard to go past yet. San Diego and Seattle, I thought. Uh, we had a packed house at, at Seattle uh, and San Diego uh, in year three and it was, or year two, actually, and it just loud and, and, you know, those fans are so... It's hard to go to a place that's just packed, you know, and I think those two places are not necessarily the best field to play on. I think Glendale's probably the best field to play on. Who? Uh, or Houston. I think Houston has probably the best field to play on, the actual turf. But I think Seattle and San Diego, in terms of uh, crowd and atmosphere and everything, were the best two places. All right. Best game you've seen from Nola Gold so far? Ooh. Uh, I think the best we've played was probably the first 40 minutes against San Diego this year. <laughs> and that's oh, not yeah. a full game. That's not a full game. But that first 40 minutes was exactly how we want to play and we had them on the ropes and we we let them off the hook by not playing well the second one uh the other one was probably uh seattle in seattle year two we scored four tries to one and lost by a point uh i thought we played really well that night i thought that was a, a cracker game too i thought that was probably one of the best games i've seen in mlr i was gonna ask the worst 40 but i'm guessing it's the second half of san diego worst, worst 40 is <laughs> half against san diego <laughs> we poor, yeah that's always poor. true for coaches right yeah. it's always in comparison to the first to the first 40. Yeah, I thought that first 40, if you could frame that and say, if we could do this for 80 minutes, we won't be beaten. And I think we led 25-10 at halftime. I thought we were all over them and we, we left about four tries out there. And uh, the second half, we just didn't do what we needed to do. We just didn't exit at all. Try to run. Two great coaches on here. I've always wondered when you're walking to the sheds at halftime, how many times in your mind do you change your halftime chat? Are you like set in stone? This is what I'm saying. Or are you yeah. starting to process in your head going, oh, I might get this reaction. I better not say that or I better say this. And I've, I've always been curious when you get it there. Sometimes it just seems so rehearsed and, and on point. Other times it's like, yeah. what, what is he talking about? <laughs> uh, mate, I think it, it's different things in different games, you know. I think um, like if you're going into that game with, with some sort of plan and, and everyone's hitting that, that plan, then, you know, that's a – it's an easy, going down there with a pretty easy conversation, you know, like it's keep going, you know, like, you know, hammer a couple of points, but keep going. If you haven't done what you're supposed to do or, or things aren't going right or for whatever reason, then that, that I changed a fair few times heading towards a change at that point. Cause I'm like, how do I turn this around? You know, how do I, how do I give these guys the information that they need to be able to turn it around? I mean, I think it's the art of coaching, right? When yeah. people talk about like, there's just, you have to have a sense of your team. And, yeah. and you have to know, you know, and, and just like Nate said, I think when things aren't going well, it's sort of like, how do I get, how do I get turned around? Do I fire a rocket at them? Right. Right. And, and, you know, I've had instances where I've 
kept all of my assistant coaches, you don't get to come in because I'm just going to blast these guys. Yeah. Because that's what they need. Or is it you put your arm around them and you, you say, hey, we can pull this out. And so it's it's the art of knowing your team and what they need. Um, I'm, you know, I think that for, for most coaches, by the time you get to the sheds, you know what you're going to say. Oh, yeah. But on the way there, you're definitely thinking about it. So. Yeah, oh, for sure. And there's been times where I've, where I've been, uh, I'm going to absolutely just throw chairs and punch windows. And then as I'm walking off the field, we score a try in the corner to go in front. I'm like, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I can't. That's the, other thing. the other thing is that like you're, you're preparing like for your halftime talk with like five minutes to go, right? Oh, there's, sure. there's still time. Yeah. Like you, like you can't wait for the whistle. Yeah. yeah right? no, like you're collecting changes, information. Yeah. You're like this is, this is what we're going to do. Right. So yeah, it's just, sure. yeah, it's a good question, Dan. I think yeah, co- coaches, coaches can for 2021. We should get a GoPro on every coach's <laughs> box and just ride the emotions. You should. Just, uh, it is I'm an sure. emotional roller coaster, mate. Pete and I have been next to quite a few of you because uh, the broadcast booth is right next to usually the away coach's box. And yeah. we've been on the roller coaster ride with a few of your buddy, uh, Greg <laughs> McWilliams, one of the best down in Houston where they were ahead. And then they got mowed down and he is throwing things and slamming doors. He was all happy. He's waving to us at the start. Yeah, How good yeah. is this? We're up like 12, nothing. And all of a sudden yeah. Houston come tearing back and it was World <laughs> War three. had started. All right, Nate. I won't hold you any longer. I know you're busy down there, brother. Appreciate you jumping on the show as always. Good luck to you and the boys in 2021. Expecting some big things down there in New Orleans. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Pete. Legends. Anytime. There you go, Pete. Again, probably one of our favorite coaches in the league since year one. Uh, He's got a great philosophy on coaching, and we've seen it uh, all over Nola Gold in the first three years. Probably looking at a little bit more success in 2021, for my opinion, it's playoffs or bust for Nola Gold this year. Well, I think if you if you watch Nate's teams over the first few years of Major League Rugby, you've seen, and he, you know, he's talked about it, right? Like in moments, they've been the best team in the league, but they've really struggled to put 80 minutes together. And I think that, um, you know, they've, they've got an interesting approach down there. Like Nate's the, the only full-time coach, but they've got some very experienced player coaches that are helping him out. And so, you know, it's a question of the, their ability to repeat their performances over and over again. They're certainly deeper than they were um, previously. You know, if, if we remember um, in year two, you know, they lost their, you know, they lost the tight head prop and then like they were unbeaten through the first half of the season. The second half, they couldn't win. Now they've solved those problems. Um, they've got competition. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a, um, a good a good season for Nola. What I love is the ownership group there want to grow with um, with uh, Nate and also um, with the other staff that's there, right? And so I think that they see this as a very long-term play. Everyone's getting long-term contracts. Um, everyone's focused on on American-based, you know, as you know, as speaking as someone with an accent but considers themselves American. You know, Nate's long-time American investment in American rugby as a coach. Um, I think he considers himself an American coach and it's great to see Nola invest in, um, you know, the, the American side of the game. You see it with their players too. Absolutely. He said he wants to get a tougher, uh, more physical team in 2021. One of the players charged with that will be Tessamoni Tongawea, one of the fan favorites down there of Nola Gold down at the gold mine. 
Monty, he spent some time with us earlier this week. Let's jump over and take a listen now. All right, we are joined now by the original gold, bigger than Drew Brees in New Orleans, they tell me these days. Monty Tongawea, <laughs> the winger, come centre, come loose forward extraordinaire. How you holding up, buddy? How's off-season treating you? I'm good, man. Just a lot of quarantine, quarantining and uh, a lot of Call of Duty happening. A lot of... Uh, just, just laying around, not doing nothing, itching to get back on the field. How did they not get you on to uh, virtual MLR earlier this year? Or oh, last year now? Uh, Malcolm May was representing us. I thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Malcolm, Malcolm was good. and, and um, he, he was. He was in the U.S. <laughs> um, and so let's, let, let's talk a little bit about um, the longest offseason ever and um, the changes that have happened. Uh, it looks like now the goal to building the uh, future Eagles back row forwards, right? So they've got Malcolm, they've got yourself, they've got Devin Short. They've got a lot of solid back row players. Are you excited to go and play with those guys? Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. Um, I've been waiting to get back since quarantine happened, but then all you can do is just hope for the best and just train on your own and just, I don't know, but things are still getting worse down here in Kelly with the COVID. Yeah, I'm excited to get back this Sunday. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about your positional journey because you were a wing and then you were a center. And can you talk a little bit, um, you know, we, we actually just talked with Nate and uh, um, he talked a little bit about the conversation he had with you about turning you into a back row forward. <laughs> so let's not, let's not give anything away, but um, can you give your side of that story? Oh, man, uh, I was... I've been playing, uh, you know, wing and 13 my whole life. Uh, just, I was brought to NOLA as a 13. Um, and then, uh, it was just one training. Uh, they put, they just threw me down at the, um, we was doing these radars where we just go full contact against the forwards. And I just went right, right with, um, for our one, twos and threes that to stop the big guys. And I just went there and I was just hitting everyone. And then uh, I guess Nate seen that. And then, um, just, after one training, we, I was about to walk out of the film room. He was like, you ever play back row? And I was like, just two or three times. When I did walk out, I was telling JoJo and them, I was like, well, my teammates, I was like, man, I don't know if he's going to convert me. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I, I was brought here as a center. I want to play center, you know. But um, he did bring me in. He was like, we want to try you at back row one game. And then it was a preseason game against Austin Elite. And uh, – yeah, they just threw me in as a six, and then I just just blew up from there. And then, I mean, I started loving the position. I said, yeah, why was I playing center the whole – all these years I've been missing out on my real position, but I'm having fun learning it. Well, that all well and good. Good story. The story I heard is you saw Cam Dolan standing on the wing so much, you thought that's what back rowers <laughs> did. And you said, I can do that. I do it anyway. And they moved you into the back row. <laughs> No comment. No comment. Cam doesn't listen to this. He's on the golf course all day. So you're safe. You can speak freely here. All right, mate. Let's let's talk a little bit about your time in MLR. Obviously, uh, all the time at Nola Gold, you've become a little bit of a fan favorite down there playing in the back row. What are you looking forward to most about not only just getting back this Sunday, but also the 2021 season? Uh, man, honestly, just, just playing... I miss playing. Uh, I went out to uh, Bermuda 
for that World 10 Series. I had fun playing again. I met some new players, but I'm just excited to get back on the field and just do what I love to do. And we got some good fans, too. Like some great fans, actually. But I don't know. I just, I just miss playing. I say I've been, I've been itching to get back on and looking, looking uh, back to get to meet the new guys, uh, like Dev Short and all the new signings we have. But just getting back into that environment, I've just been stuck out here, just quarantining, just all these COVID cases, just. Yeah, you said you said you're up in Northern Cali now, and that's obviously a tough spot, California, with everything going yeah. on up there. Uh, uh, LA Guiltinis, they signed your cousin Langi Langi Halpagui. Uh, yeah. He told me the other day that you know he said the reason I've come back to rugby is because I'm going to smash Monty because he used to steal my <laughs> toys when we were kids. Is that true? <laughs> nah, nah, I know Langi wouldn't say that. Uh... Uh, it's. I mean, I was excited to see him. I seen that on the MLR page when he got signed. I didn't know. I woke up and I seen him all over MLR, and I was like, you know, we've been talking the past two years. I've been telling him like, hey, you want to come to Nola? Like, trying to get him back out there, but uh, he's he's been busy with family and work, but he finally got an opportunity. But it's gonna be good though playing against him. Yeah. How how yeah. do you feel playing against family though? Like, it's always interesting. You either go extremely hard against those you love or you hold yeah. a little back. Which side of the fence are you on? Are you going to give it everything oh, you got? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, once we're on the opposite side, I don't know you. It's just like – and he knows that too. Like, we can probably hit the hell out of each other and then just have a beer after. But, I mean, we were just going to go hard. I mean, I'm planning on going hard this whole season, uh, family or not. If we're not wearing the same uniform, then I got to do what I got to do. You should have gone to New Orleans, Langy. What were you thinking? <laughs> well, you know, you've uh, um, been in, in uh, MLR, you know, we've been through our fourth fourth season, th- third season, coming yeah, into yeah. our fourth season. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your experience. Who's the toughest player you've played against? You talking about my whole career or just in MLR? In MLR. Well, I mean, if, if, if it's different than your whole career, if there's someone that jumps out that's not in the MLR, let's talk about it. Uh, the toughest, what, me personally going up against, like... Yep. As of right now, I'll say Nundu, obviously, but... Um, yeah, I'll say Nundu. He's yeah, like... That's a... That's a pretty good one. Yeah, because he's he's a dude I watched when I was a kid. And I'm like, damn, I'm on the same field as him. Yeah, that's cool. Did you hit him? Did you get a chance to put one on him? Nah, he hit me though. Like when I had the ball, <laughs> I got hit. I got hit, and I looked up, and then it was him. I was like, man, I'll accept that. It's whatever. It's nothing. Have, have you seen the photo doing the rounds on the MLR things of him smashing Lommy? And I'm like, oh yeah, I was like, Paul Lommy deserves better than that. But what a shot. <laughs> You're in good well, company. And, and, and another question about your experience in MLR. So what do you think has been, you know, a favorite moment for you? Like whether it's a game or a performance, what's been a, a thing, you know, a moment that, that, that you remember from your MLR career? Uh, just actually not wanting to play uh, back row. And then once that first game I did play, uh, you know, I just, uh, I broke free and I like just, 
seeing the game at a whole different view where like, damn, all I got to do is just run and tackle. Like I ain't got to worry about doing all these plays, these backdoor plays, like rugby just got more simpler for me. But um, yeah, that was, I think that night in Austin was uh, a really big stepping stone in my career. But, and, and I got the the leaders to learn from like Kane Thompson, Cam Dolan, Kyle Bailey, and they just been, you know, I've been soaking everything in. They've been uh, teaching me. Yeah, it's a, it's a great pack. Mate, we have absolutely loved watching you play. Your evolution down there has been fantastic. Excited for 2021 to see Moni Tongawea get back out there for Nola Gold. Uh, we know you're also a super uncle when you're not a superstar <laughs> on the rugby field. So we'll let you get back to the nieces and nephews. Just had a birthday on January. So happy birthday, January 1st, yeah. was it? Yeah. All right. I hope you got a good present. I hope you're not that uncle who gives him like, you know, <laughs> a card and a gift card to Starbucks or something. <laughs> All right, Bonnie. Appreciate you jumping on, brother. Stay safe. Okay. Stay healthy. Looking forward to you tearing it up in 2021. Yep. Same to you. What a journey, Pete. Not too many wingers end up uh, <laughs> as one of the most damaging loose forwards uh, throughout I mean, their I mean, career. I, but I've, I've got to imagine that the, you know, in Money's career, he's there's been a wing opposite him who's like, dude, you shouldn't be a wing. You lost, yeah. yeah. You lost. Get back in there. But, but, but this guy, you know, it's it's great. You know, it's great to hear that story about how it all clicked when he played. Like he didn't want to be flanker, and then and then he got to play, and then it all clicked, and that's really his deal. But he is a physical force in the game. He's someone that you've got to plan for. And he's someone that can fully express his athleticism in the back row in a way that he couldn't in, on the wing. So, um, you know, that's actually a sign of some great coaching by, uh, by Nate to be able to recognize that. It's always a big ask. Like, it's a gamble, right? To say, hey, we're going to do this. So if it doesn't work out, you could really harm a player's career. Um, but it worked out. And, and good call for Nate and, and good call for Monty for, for being open to it. Absolutely. Let's go up the coast uh, to another coach, head coach. Potentially probably could have been an early candidate for coach of the year. His turnaround after his team lost to Nola Gold in New Orleans was outstanding. They won four in a row and were one of the form teams off the competition up until that, uh, that devious little thing called COVID-19 reared its head. But I'm talking about Andrew Douglas. Let's bring him in now all the way from beautiful Washington, D.C., the man known as Dougie. All right, we are joined now by Old Glory's head coach, Andrew Douglas. And uh, is it Duggo or Dougie? What do you prefer? No, since I've been about five, I've always been called Dougie um, by Dougie. school friends and, and people. So Andrew or Dougie always goes down well, Dan. So uh, do you, do you, I'll, I'll do a little nostalgia for you. Do you remember the Pizza Hut ad with Dougie and the tip? Did you, get a, did you get a lot of grief about that? No one listening will have any idea what we're talking about. No, and I didn't even get any free pizza either. So What? So, no. I mean, it looks uh, like I did, but no, I didn't. <laughs> I think you and I have been on the same diet this off-season. <laughs> the longest off-season. Let's fill us in quickly. How, how did you approach that? Obviously, with the shutdown, you and I caught up uh, for the last actual game off, MLR for 2020, uh, mm. when you guys uh, put uh, Atlanta to the sword. How was the thought process going from a suspension for 30 days and then the total shutdown for you? Yeah, obviously, it was the tough one because we were going quite well, Dan. We had a bit of momentum at that stage and we're starting to build. We obviously learned a lot in that time. So we started pre-season in December and I think it was March we got, we got cancelled on. So what, what the positives were we, we got time to put the mistakes right. I mean, you're always going to make mistakes in your first season, especially when you're brand new like we were. Um, 
so we've had time. We've, we've upgraded our facilities. We've, we've got a, a much better playing um, facility now than what we did have. We made a few changes to our roster. Um, the organisation, I think, now is, is sharper in, in what it does and, and more effective in what it does too. So it's given us a time to, to correct mistakes that we made that we knew you always know you're going to make mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're doing something wrong because you're not pushing the boundaries far enough. So um, it's been good for that. It was, it was just frustrating at the time because we were starting to build some momentum and some real belief in what we were doing. Um, boys had a great culture and it was sort of just whipped out from underneath us. But um, we've kept we've kept pretty busy down over the last uh, nine months or so. Well, that's that's been the big message that I've got from most of the teams. It's like we've got an opportunity to go look at our infrastructure that normally we wouldn't have that time to do going from, as you know, you've been in rugby a long time. There is no off-season in rugby, even more so for coaching and off-field staff than players. So what did you make on the changes front that you probably wouldn't have had an opportunity to do in 2020 for 2021? I think the big thing for us was, was facilities. We, we um, you know, as you know, in DC, it gets pretty cold December, January, February, we were training um, early evenings outside it on the RFK fields, which were new fields, but they were a sawdust-based field. So at night when it got cold, you, you're basically crunching away across the field. It was frozen. And so you can't really do any contact on a frozen field because you're just going to break things or break people. Um, so we had, to, we had to schedule trainings around that, whereas now we're indoors, full-sized field. Boys are going straight from a gym to the field, whereas before the boys had been to a gym, they had to travel to a field, it's about a 25 minute drive. So now we can split that with the, the you know, backs in the gym, forwards out on the field and swap them around. So you get a little more micro skill done, use our time more efficiently um, and get better work into the boys. Cause not worried about, um, you know, the cold, the ice, the, all those sort of extremities where basically now they can recover well. There's a swimming pool right next door as well. All those sort of things you can do to recover well. There's gym mats, there's, a, there's a, a gym crash pad area where we can do some decent defense stuff now too without breaking bodies, all those sort of things can be a lot more efficient with. Obviously, we had to reshuffle our roster as well. Um, it's no secret that our set piece was poor, to be honest, and we, we survived on scraps. So we, we've had a chance to correct that, I think, I hope we have, we have touch wood, um, without trying to lose too much of what we were doing um, you know, in phase play. So you, uh, um, you know, last year was your first year um, of Major League Rugby and, and in the American environment. What what surprised you most when you first came over here and, and started working with Old Glory? Um, I, I didn't really have any expectations, Pete, to be honest. I was, I was in the unknown, so I didn't really know what I was coming into. I was really, really pleasantly surprised at the passion people have for rugby. I thought it was fantastic that the people who love rugby, they really love rugby. Yeah. Um, you know, and I come from a country where everyone knows rugby, but you come to the States and they really love rugby. There's a, there's a, there's a click in the States. It's fantastic. And because I'm probably leaned more towards the introvert, I love seeing the extroverts out there who love this game and, and are loud and proud about it and support it. So that was, that was fantastic. And, and I, I, loved, I loved our ownership group. I was really pleasantly surprised how supportive they are without wanting to interfere, but they, they want to listen. They do say no at times, which they have to. Um, otherwise, you know, we'd have a billion dollar budget, but um, just really, really grateful for how supportive they are, of what you're trying to do and just let you get on and do your job. So I think, you know, there's, there's a passion and a love for the game in the States that I didn't really know about. Um, and I think that could go a long way to making this league, you know, really powerful in a few years time. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I always tell people that, you know, back home in the UK, it was hard to get people to go the game that was an hour away. Because that was like yeah. the game that was really a long way away and people didn't want to do that. And here, yeah. people drive five hours, play a game, drive home, right? Like, like, yeah. like the commitment that Americans have. To play rugby here, it's hard. Like to play rugby in New Zealand or to play rugby in, in, in England is easy, but to play here is hard. So if you're a rugby player here, you've, it doesn't matter how good you are. At some point, you've had to line the field. You've had to like, you know, get changed in, in a car. So you have to love it a lot. So there's definitely a lot of the passion that's there. But where, where we lack is, you know, we lack in, in, you know, some of the fundamental skills because we start the game late. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about how you kind of like try to deal with that or how you try to deal with that in the first year and what you think you might be able to do coming into this year? Yeah, so that is an interesting one. And, and people tell me there's, there, there are, you know, there's the athletes here and there is, that's true. They're, they're amazing athletes. You know, the American college player is, is a very good athlete, but it's football and rugby are now miles apart. I know football started from rugby, evolved from rugby, but the actual two sports are miles apart now. And the skill sets are very different. I mean, in rugby, everybody needs to be able to handle a ball and make a tackle. And in football now, we, you know, however many players handle a ball and, and how many players tackle, but it's so structured and it's a game of chess now football that the, the ability to read what's in front of you isn't there anymore. And that's not a criticism. It's just the reality of it. Whereas in rugby, I need players who understand a game. We don't, we don't play a lot of structures here at Old Glory. We, we like to play what's in front of us. In order to do that, you've got to be skilled and you've got to be able to, to see space. Um, and so I actually, I love basketballers. I think basketballers make great rugby players. They've got great spatial awareness, got great hands. So all those same philosophies actually fit really well in rugby. Yeah. And surprising to me, I've met a number of wrestlers who have made really good rugby players. Yeah. Well, they, body position kind of and contact and, yeah. and also the fitness. Like if you actually go and do training, I mean, I think one of the challenges that you have with football players is you have to retrain their fitness, right? Their yeah. fitness is yeah, there. very true. But wrestlers actually their training is very similar to rugby training. So they, they have the body position, they have the contact work and they have the conditioning. Yeah. And I think the, the trouble I've had with wrestlers, I've got to stop them because they want to hit every ruck. Right. I want to tackle every person. <laughs> and it's like ch ch trying to organize them into some sort of structure across the field has, has been the challenge, but um, really good athletes, really good athletes. And, and they, 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 they understand the philosophy where the head goes, the body goes and, and how to make that body as strong as it can in, in contact. So we worked a lot. Of, we worked a lot of micro skills. You know, typical Kiwi coach. I guess there's always a ball in the hand, and there's always a ball as part of the drill and the skill. You know, and I think for me, the more those players got a ball, and how more comfortable they are, the better that they're going to get. And I think um, it's been unfortunate with COVID because I was hoping that some of our fringe players who are new to the sport would play a lot of club rugby and be able to get an, an idea of, of of working in that that environment. But it, you know, that hasn't panned out unfortunately. So. Um, we've got a kid called Corey Daniel who I'm really excited about. You know, he's a, he's a former college wrestler. Um, great kid, great work ethic. Did well at Bermuda Tens. You know, the trouble is I need him ready now, and, and he just needs a couple of years really. But hopefully, we, we get you know we can break him into MLR at some stage over the next season just to give him that experience. Um, that is a tricky one because they don't come to rugby school college, Pete, like you said, and, and to embed them into the things that as we started when we were kids, we just take for granted. You know, we just learned by osmosis rather than having to be taught if that makes sense. And, you know, playing ball rush at lunchtime or, or tackle rugby at lunchtime as a kid, you learn things naturally and, and that doesn't happen yep. here. And so you're having to tech, you know, having to teach a little bit about how the game's played 
more so than what you would what you would say with a, a New Zealand squad. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 interesting because there's definitely a conundrum, right? Because those athletes are there, but they haven't played enough games. They just haven't played enough rugby. And even if they played rugby in high school, they might like they pick up the game at fourteen. Their season might be six or eight games. Yeah. Right. And 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 a sixteen year old in in New Zealand in the UK is playing thirty. Yeah, you maybe do, more. Right? Maybe like and so. And so a, like a whole high school se- like career in the States is like one year. And so, you know, I've always said if, if, if like and when I've coached, basically, I've tried to play 50 percent of practice. Right. Because the more they play, the better they get. But you don't yeah. get that luxury in MLR. So how how are you going to solve that moving forward? How are you going to find these guys games that are good enough in quality that their athleticism is still tested, right? So some of the club rugby in the States, the good athletes, they don't have to learn the game very much because they're athleticism. So what, how are you going to solve that kind of conundrum to get them game time when you can't yet put them on the MLR field? Yeah, and the issue is, there's an issue there with the MLR as well, uh, Pete, because via their contracts, we can't play them in club, club rugby if I've signed them as an MLR player. Right. Because of the working men's comp. And every player wants a contract. Right. But if I give them a contract their time then is limited. So it's, it's a real conundrum to deal with. I'd rather actually they just play as much rugby as they can. And whether that's via club, um, capital selects types games or, or something like that, to me, that's much better than, than being part of a 35-man squad and getting very, very little time, you know, even, even bench time. So it is a challenge that I think the league has to address because the league's got to find some way around the, the insurance matters to let these guys be released back to their clubs when they're not involved in the 23-man squad. And I think as soon as we do that, you're going to see a lot more depth built. Now, that's not just, that's not, the league's not to blame here. It's just currently the way the situation is with insurance. Right. Um, but the easiest way to do it is to not give them a contract and let them play. Yeah. And, and then they, but then players get upset and another club comes along and gives them a contract. So, I mean, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place in some ways in terms of developing these guys in what you do. Yeah. It's um, it's a tough conversation to have with players too because, like you said, the enthusiasm through the roof. Asking for patience is always difficult if you haven't got a clear pathway for them. Yeah, and we you know we're trying to do that now through we're calling it Young Glory, which is going to be our, our team of of younger players coming through, like guys that have just left college. Um, that will, they'll you know we'll, we'll put into a trainee group and then we'll play capital selects type sites. So we're, we're trying to find a pathway for those guys, but like I said. You can't give them a full MLR contract because the uh, the insurance um, issue around it. So we'll have a young glory and, and we'll have some exciting young players playing in that and guys that I think will play MLR in future. We'll still have capital selects, which are mainly our, our better club players. Um, so we're trying to address it. But to answer your question, Pete, that's how we're trying to address it. Yeah. But it's a tough one around the contractual side of things. Okay. 2020 was only five games. I thought you guys were actually running into probably the best form in the comp. Uh, that last game, no one had really beat up Atlanta. You know, their defense was was pretty impressive. They were getting up fast, they had great line speed. They were very physical at the wrestle too and slowing down the breakdown. You guys punched holes in them, especially in that second half. Judging that first five-game, you know, uh, you know, block there, how have you recruited for 2021? Looking at what you had and now knowing what the league has, how did you recruit for this coming season? Yeah, we've kept the majority of our squad in, in place. I was really happy with the team and the culture that we had. But I did have to fix set, set piece, and that was no secret. You know, that, that was poor, Dan, and, and you called enough games to see that for yourself. 
So we've got Jamie Diva, um, tight head prop, obviously an Irish kid's come through, played Irish 20s and was at San Diego last season. And um, so I think he's going to be a good addition for us. And, and a guy called Stan Longwell, another tight head prop from Scotland, who very good scrummager, very good ball handler. Um, and we've got a few, you know, we've put a few bit of pressure on him to, to match up because he could well be uh, a pro 14 player in Scotland if he just fixes a couple of things. And we've also recruited a tight head lock with Stan South, who was part of the Harlequins Academy, currently playing for Breve in the French, in the French league. Um, so he's just a big lump of a lad, you know, six foot six, 120 clicks, um, just to fix that tight head side, to move bodies for us, to make I mean, his tackle, it, it, but just be we, physical we, and break people. Yeah, we've talked about this, Dougie. The tight head prop is probably the most important position in, in Major League Rugby because there's so much more scrums than there are in other professional leagues, right? And, and we've seen it over the last couple of years that, Tighthead has probably been the most valuable position. It sounds like you guys are, are dealing with that. Yeah, well, we've got two good replacements that have come in. Um, and we saw a couple of young kids who are coming through that we think will be pretty good too to, to fit in there. So you did, right, Pete? And, and, you know, even on our own scrum, we were giving away a lot of penalties. And we were the most penalised team in the league purely because of scrums. Right. Um, and as you know, these days, the, the rolling wall is pretty hard to stop if it's done well. And when you're conceding penalties and you get thumped 30, yep. 40 metres down to the sideline, you know, defend a rolling wall. As like you talked about Dan, the Atlanta game, Atlanta only scored from um, a knock on and from a rolling mall in that game because you know our scrum would get penalised. They'd kick it into the corner. They had a good rolling mall and they score. So I mean, I think if we can fix those sorts of things, we'll go a long way to to being a better team than what we were in, in twenty twenty. And you've retained all three. That well, you know, rugby league. The spine is is your nine, your seven, your one, your nine, six, one, uh, your nine, your ten, your fifteen. For you guys, everyone coming back, Danny, Jace, yeah. and uh, DTS? DTS has had a baby in Australia, um, so he's not coming back at this stage purely for, for family reasons. We loved Dylan. He, he loved DC. His, his mum's here. It was all working well, but he's had to put his family first with his wife and his baby. I'm hoping he's coming back next season. Um, you know, he's a pretty exciting player, and he's, and he's been in this league a, a, you know, a few years now, so... That's a, that's a loss for us, but I think we've got a pretty good replacement. We're just going through a visa, um, going through visas with that particular player. So I think we've got a really good replacement there. Um, Danny's back, Jason's back, Mikey Sassini Fungai's back, uh, obviously Mungo, Jamison, Threaten, Kieran Hearn, Dougie Fraser, um, Renata Roberts Tanana. They're all coming back. Api Nakatini's there, Tavita Nakwali. Um, so just so waiting on Quade Cooper's visa. So who's that? Sorry. Just waiting on Quade Cooper's visa, playing at fullback. Or, or, or Danny Cipriani. Danny Cipriani can also play fullback. So we'll just. <laughs> yes, he can. He can. I, 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 I want to talk about your halfback pairing because um, Danny and Jason, to me, were the two most dynamic halfbacks in the league. And they played such great rugby where they didn't have a great forward platform, right? Um, you know, um, I think, uh, you know, Jason's. So he's an electric player. He's just 5'7", right? If he was 5'10", he probably wouldn't be in Major League Rugby. He's just a little small. <laughs> but can you, can, you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the advantage that you have by having two real quality nines and tens? Because I talked about how, you know, the tight head prop is important, but probably 10 is, is next on that list. And, and, and you have a nine and a 10, I think, at some of the top in the league. So you can talk a little bit about how you kind of plan to leverage that going into the season, how important that leadership is for you. Yeah, I think, as you know, part of our game is based on speed or a lot of our attack plays based on speed. And 
when you're based on speed and having the defense taking steps backwards, you can allow you allows your team to play pretty flat, which Jason was allowed to, and, and he's a threat. You can't you can't not mark him. You have to take him, which means that defenses turn in, which is also better for for our outside. And he was the reason, him and Danny were the reason that our wings scored, you know, a lot of points because defenses turn in because they've got to cover those two, which releases space somewhere else. Um so that's the big advantage with Jason and Dan. They're both very brave. They're both courageous. They love contact, which is not always great from my point of view, but from their point of view, they love that, that physicalness. Danny is so quick to a breakdown. I think our ruck speed was equal fastest in the league, I think. You know, it was under three seconds because, you know, the ball's there, Danny's got it and it's gone. So defences don't have time to set as much, and that was probably the issue Atlanta faced when we beat them that time because, Dan, like Dan said, they probably they had a really good defensive record but with the speed that we play we didn't let them set and, and Jason's a massive part of that because he's got organized quickly and Danny's just released but you have to mark Danny because he can run as well as, as we all know so it just provides so many threats Pete that releases space somewhere else and if you I mean he showed against Seattle that first touch against Seattle Jason if you if you don't come up right score in the corner which he did himself he just took the ball himself and scored in the corner so you have to mark up which turns defenses in which is a big advantage from an attack point of view I'm trying to think who was who was equal fastest to the breakdown. I thought you guys were head and shoulders. No, Danny was Atlanta, so quick. Atlanta had really good speed, I think. Vance Goldquake, yeah, the young nine down yeah. there. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, man. Their breakdown was pretty good. They're, they're big. They're physical team, Atlanta. Um, we had to we had to really muscle up that day, and, and you know I think we did pretty well in that, in that. But they were probably the most physical team we'd met during the season, to be honest. Dan, they're, they're pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, I think our ruck speed, yeah, I think Danny's just got that bit more experience, you know, where he knows when to, when to push, when to go. And yeah. then he just runs a great support line as well. He's, he's released and he's gone. He's doing something else, which is a big, big advantage for him. And he's also getting to play a little bit down in New Zealand, right? Is he down there? Yeah, oh. so him and both him and Jason were playing wider 10 Cup. Jason was starting for Counties Manukau and Danny was at Auckland, who made the final. Mike Sassini Fungi was at Auckland, who made the final as well. So... So they'll come in with some pretty good rugby. Yeah. I mean, I mean, people don't realize what a difference having those games under their belt when they come in relative to the guys that haven't played for nine months. I, I mean, it, and, and, you know, there's not a lot of time for preseason games. And so guys that have been able to play overseas will be able to hit the ground running. And, you know, th- those first few games of the season are going to be really important to set the momentum. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about the season, Dougie, when you look, Right. And, and, and you look at, I mean, you know, it's a, it's, 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 it's a pretty long season. It's not as long as maybe some of the other places, but, but when, when you look at the season, you know, what are the games that jump out of you that you think are critical as a test, as a marker for you guys? I think Nola first up's a big one for us. Um, we got a Panthers. Yeah, great game. Those are two guys that two teams that like to play fast, right? So yeah. Two, yeah. Two teams like to play with the ball in hand. And they did everything to us last season. We wanted to do to them, you know, they embarrassed us to be honest. Um, down in New Orleans. So we, we got um, pretty much told this is MLR and this is how it's going to be played, um, which doesn't suit our personality. You know, we, we like to be the bully, not not be the bullied sort of thing. So um, I think that's going to be crucial in terms of just setting a marker for where we are. And that if, if we have improved and everything we've done, we've talked about, that doesn't mean we have to win the game, but it means in terms of performance, I'd like to see that we, we go pretty prepared down there than what we were um, last season. And, and they were, they were, tough down there. They, they, I don't think they made hardly any errors that particular game. They they were on fire. They made game line easy. They ran great support lines. Bounces went for them. And when you're playing well, that's what tends to happen. So that's a big one for us. And then I think Toronto is going to be big for us, I think, this year too, because we haven't played them yet. You know, we didn't play them last season. They're obviously 
you know, you have to say probably in the top two teams last season. I thought them and San Diego are probably the top two teams quite clearly and deservedly. So I think any, any time we play Toronto is going to be important because only the top two go through from your conference. Um, so that's going to be pretty... Because to me, Toronto are probably the favourites right now in the, in the league. And so I think that's, uh, that's no disrespect to the Atlantas, the Nolas, but I think Toronto, you'd probably have to say, would you know, be one of the ones you'd think are... Looking pretty strong for a one or two place in our conference, if not the, the the complete league. So that's going to be an important game. I'm really happy we finished the last two rounds of our season at home, which I'm really happy about. So if, if points are are tight and you get two home games to finish, that's going to be that's going to be pretty important, I think, especially after a long season, July with the heat. I'd rather be here than playing in Texas, for example, and in, in whatever degree heat it will be in in July down in Texas. So those will be two crucial games as well. Yeah, New Orleans in July. Couldn't think of anywhere else I'd rather be, especially <laughs> playing 80 minutes. But yeah. uh, no, it's, it's interesting you say that because we had, uh, you know, Nate Osborne, the head coach down there, is on this, this episode as well. And he talked about just reinventing the wheel a little bit down there in terms of physicality. And, and like you said, being the bully a bit more. So it'll be interesting round one when you guys kind of to mash up there because it's going to be a probably, a probably a pretty intense battle up front initially before you let those back lines kind of get get going yeah i think and i think so and i think because we haven't had a long pre-season dan you know you need your players in mid-february you've only got a month to play your first game so it'd be interesting to see you know how teams cope with that and, and what they do around that so i think it will be an interesting game because you know nola are, are quite a big side they've got big wingers they've got big forwards it's um yeah and they don't actually have any weaknesses when you actually analyze them i know they lost games last season not never by much but they also could beat anybody on their day, Nola. They're one of those teams can beat anybody on their day. If they, if they get it right, I think they could beat anybody in the league. And we yeah. we struck them on a day when they were playing really, really right. well. And you saw what they did to us. They were 40 points on us. Um, so I think, you know, down there, they were fired up too. The big crowd gets behind them. They've got good support. A good owner who's really supportive of them. So, And Nate's a smart guy. So, I mean, it's going to be a good challenge for us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one in particular. I'm, I'm yeah, not, me too. We haven't seen the uh, television schedule just yet, uh, but I'm pretty sure that one's probably going to be circled as one of the big games in round one. Yeah, and I think it deserves to be, to be honest, Dan. I think both teams that both teams like to play. Um, be a good advertisement like for MLR. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. All right, Dougie, you're a legend. We, we could do part two of this. I could keep you on the show all day. Uh, Appreciate I, you coming I had on. To hold my, Dan, I had to hold my tongue so I didn't get too nerdy. I had a few more questions about some of the stuff. And I was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, we need a coach's, separate coach's call. I know. His, <laughs> eyes, his eyes start lighting up at the old poking machines when he sees another coach on the show. He gets excited. Nice. But nice. All right, Dougie, you're a legend, mate. Good luck for 2021. Excited to see old glory. And uh, hopefully that form from those last four games for you guys carries on to 2021. Yes, I hope so. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a great evening. Good to talk to you. Have a good night. Take care. Thanks, mate. There you go. Good stuff. And again, we talked about Nate Osborne, his philosophies. I'm a big fan of Andrew Douglas and and what he's doing with Old Glory and the way they play rugby. Well, I just love the way he thinks about the game. I mean, I I could have, I I, I had to hold my tongue. I could have taken that interview off. You know, we already had four interviews. (laughs) It could have been an hour. But when you hear someone like that talk, it's just really interesting because he's such a thoughtful coach. You can see he's, he's thought about coming to the States. Um, you know, some of his, his, his thoughts about the, the athletes that we have here and, and how to turn them into rugby players, I think is really interesting. But, you know, you can't help but love the way he wants to play the game, right? He wants to play the game fast. 
you know, he wants to move the ball, he wants the ball in hand. Um, you know, it's just uh, such an exciting, I mean, you know, th that team, um, Old Glory is going to be a very, very exciting team in 2021. Oh, absolutely, Pete. And one of the absolute tips of the spear for them is their loose forward. And I believe uh, he was the captain as well, if not for the whole year, for some of the games. I'm talking about Mungo Mason. And he joined the show earlier today for a quick chat. All right, we are joined now by Old Glory star Mungo Mason, probably a candidate for the Dosecchi's man, the most interesting man in the world, rugby player, lawyer, six <laughs> passports, maybe James Bond, Daniel Craig's retiring. Mungo, what do you think, buddy? James Bond. Potentially, yeah. Mungo, 007. <laughs> Shaken, not stirred. There you um, go. Oh, look out, the Giltinis. I'll be calling you after next season. What have yeah, I done? Yeah. Sorry, Dougie. <laughs> Uh, but appreciate you jumping on the show. Where uh, where are you situated at the moment? Where are you okay, uh, staying safe? Absolutely, mate. Um, I, I'm down in Melbourne, and so with the parents here, um, which has been really good, and, and just moved down from Sydney. Um, but here, luckily, in, in time for lockdown, out of Sydney and in Melbourne now, so it's a good spot to be. And uh, yeah, doing a bit of training and then personal stuff here, but loving it. Yeah. Well, you've got a you've got a memorable name. I'm sure you hear that a lot. But you've also got a very memorable performance on the field. You're probably one of the stars, definitely, of the, the abbreviated 2020 season. I know Pete and I, very, very high opinions of, of the style you play and the way you play the game. You yeah, have right. got an interesting background. Tell us a little bit about your journey to Old Glory. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I suppose it's been um, here, here and there and all about. So I was born in Scotland, um, and that's where the name comes from. So it's a, it's a pretty Scottish name. If you ask any Scott, Mungo, they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of Mungo before. Um, and then grew up in New Zealand. So mum and dad immigrated there and played all my footy in New Zealand um, up until 2000 and probably 16. Um, and then decided, got to get out and explore the world and that sort of thing. Um, so, so went and studied in the States um, and chose Chicago. Pretty cool, the Windy City. Um, and played a, bit of, played a bit of footy there for Chicago Lions under Dave Clancy. Um, and yeah, and then bopped around, was in San Diego for a bit, and then shot over to Scotland and played with Edinburgh and Scotland Sevens there. Um, and that was a great experience being Back, back sort of in the motherland I suppose um, with those guys uh, tough to get used to the, the accent and that sort of thing but awesome crew and made some real, real lifelong friends and picked up some really good rugby skill I think that's where I developed a lot and then got the call to come over to, to DC and, and I've loved it ever since yeah it's a good spot so let's talk a little bit about um, how you sort of ended up in Old Glory what was that journey how did you mm. decide to make that step I suppose it all started with a, the sort of the SRU Scotland Rugby Union connection with Old Glory. Um, so it's you know relatively strong, and they're they're um, investment partner. Um, and one of the the current Fords coach of Scotland, um, John Del Delzeal, he got in contact and said, "Hey Mungo, are you um, you interested in going and playing over in America, and potentially might be a pathway back into Scotland and, and playing sort of Pro 14?" I said, "Oh, get me over there. Um, I've I loved the states and." It's a good spot, and I've always been interested in the, the sort of the, the DC politics and that side of thing. And I thought in a, a inauguration year or a election year, but um, oh, it was awesome, you know, walking around the Lincoln Monument and, and Washington Memorial and all that sort of stuff was a dream. I loved it. Yeah. And and any plans for you to like do any internships while you're there? Now now you're a lawyer. You're like, hey, 
Maybe maybe every Monday on my day off, I'll, I'll walk over to the Capitol, work, work for some senator or congressman, <laughs> see what I can do. It's not, it's not a bad idea, actually, Peter. Um, I might have to get you to sort me out a connection. Yeah, yeah I, I, I have a couple of... I have, I have a, you know, DC used to be at my old rugby stomping grounds, although I think I'm sure that Paul Shee and some of the old glory guys do too. But but there's, there's yeah. you know, um, in DC, you can't go too far without someone who has a connection in politics somewhere. So um, exactly. yeah, yeah. Be, uh, um, an interesting story for you. Let's talk a little bit about your your first season um, on the pitch. Talk a little bit about what your first impressions of MLR was in terms of um, style and standard and quality. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I suppose my first intro was um, with with a legion down in um, in San Diego in 2017, um, and played a couple of preseason games. And I know that's kind of when the wheels started turning. Um, but the development from then has, has been massive, I'd say. Um, I think the the way I like to describe American rugby is. It's fast and it's physical um, and the skills are kind of getting there, getting to a point where they're catching up to the sort of the athleticism and these these boys that are jumping around and wanting to put shots on each other. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I'd say probably in terms of sort of level, um, it, it, yeah, it's almost at that mitre 10 level um, in New Zealand. So it's a good quality level of rugby. And I think the best thing about it is how keen the both sort of the Americans and the foreign players are to, to get stuck in. It's not like, oh, okay, I'm here for a vacation. It's like we've got a real opportunity here to be something, something awesome, uh, part of something awesome, I suppose. So, yeah, in terms of the style, um, set piece is good, but I love the kind of the dynamics of it, um, that everyone's free to have a run. It's not sort of, you know, that European style where forwards, you know, carried up and, and don't be creative. Everyone's got the opportunity to, you know, give a crack, um, you see hookers kicking it, which is a bit odd sometimes. <laughs> um, but overall, yeah, good style of rugby and, and really enjoying getting stuck in. Pete, any more? Oh, I thought I, I, I sent... I'm, I'm chomping, so I, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah I'll let you go, Dan. I, All I, was, right. I, I didn't want to do too much. He gets excited. We just had Dougie on, mate, and he gets real excited when the coaches come on. He's, he's oh, all yeah. about it. X's and O's and... <laughs> I just fall asleep and wait. They wake me up. They when he's done. Yeah. But, but who who stood out for you inside Old Glory? So a player that uh, you know. Obviously, you've got yourself and some other guys who are pretty well established. But who's someone who kind of flew under the radar initially, but you were really impressed yeah. with last year? Um, good question. I'm gonna say Doug um, on the wing or in centre, um, Canadian bloke, um, and. Mate, he, he's electric. Um, he, he was kind of juggled around a little bit. Um, and, yeah, in some ways, maybe didn't play the position that he was always meant to play. Um, but, yeah, awesome player um, from that Canadian contingent. And I'd be surprised if he isn't a long, long sort of standing Canadian player. Um, who else other than Dougie? Um, from the, the sort of the American side of things, um, Mike, Mike DeBlas or chicken, as we like to call him. Um, he didn't get that much game time, but I think he's a real strength. So he's a standoff first five, um, and he's going to be a real power. I think he's a young kid. He's only sort of 23, 24, um, and will be, he'll be around for a long time. Will Vakalahi, um, he's a he's a club favourite um, in prop, and oh, awesome player, great charisma, um, Polynesian kid, and just always got a smile on his face. So I, I love playing with him, and he always brings a, a good energy to the team. Yeah. Those are probably the three that stood out for me. 
Um, you've got your, you know, your veterans, Danny Tsitala and and Jason Thomason, the toe, um, <laughs> which is an interesting nickname which the fans gave him. Um, and they're, they're always, you know, standouts and, and go pretty hard. But those two, um, trying to think, but yeah, great having Callum Gibbons there. I know it's probably coming, coming to another topic, but I'd say those three, yeah, Doug and, and Will Vakalahi and then Mike Chicken. Yeah, those are the ones that stood out for me, Dan. And with the, again, it's always difficult to reflect on just five games, but who stood out in the league away from Old Glory? Anyone you played against that you really thought uh, handled themselves well in 2020? Well, um, yeah, it's a good question. I always have a lot of uh, respect for, for Brad Tucker. Um, he's a good player up in Seattle. Um, who, who, who Brad Tucker, um, yeah, you have to explain to Dan, that's one of Dan's bromances. <laughs> I got to so, ta- so tell you. I'm having a really enjoyable time with Mongo here today. Brad could be in trouble. <laughs> are you are you single? Let's just get this out there. I am. I am. Oh, so, yeah. look out, 2021. Better, eh? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't so know how Brad's that's possible, good. but yeah. Okay. No, Sorry. Continue, yeah, Brad we'll, Tucker. We'll make it work. Um, good player. He's a hard man. Um, Cam Cam Dolan down in um, in Nola. He's been a, a mate and a, and a good player. Who else stood out? Um, not from the team. Oh, I'm forgetting his name. I shouldn't. Um, seven from Atlanta, the Canadian bloke. Um, that's bad that I can't off the top of my head. Matt, Matt. Um, Matt Heaton. Matt Heaton. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, that's right. That's because you yeah. guys had a, a pretty decent run in on that last game. That was like yeah. very physical. Uh, For sure. Yeah. You and him kind of got stuck into it. I mean, you got warned there in the second half at one stage for something, and, but it was <laughs> yeah. all taped up. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, no, yeah. they're, oh, we they're a tough it. team. They're a tough team, and I think we sort of a lot of similarities between maybe us and them. Um, no sort of no huge superstars or anything like that, but just a really hard working, good bunch of of you know of blokes. Um, and obviously being new teams last year and wanting wanting to prove it ourselves. Um, so that's quite quite a nice little rivalry, I think, that we've got against them. Um, and I'm be looking forward to getting down to Atlanta and playing them at some stage. Mm. All right, mate. You dropped a little nugget for us before we, we recorded. You said you played sevens for Scotland, but you weren't capped. So you're a free agent. Can we get it publicly yeah. now? What's it going to take <laughs> to get you wearing the colours of, what is it, six countries you're eligible for? Yeah. yeah. Rattle them six, off real quick for yeah. us. What's, what are the six countries? So Scotland, born in Scotland, um, grandfather English, so English there, mother Irish, so Ireland, born, in, uh, sorry, grew up in Zimbabwe, uh, sorry, in New Zealand, so New Zealand, um, grandfather South African, so South Africa, and then finally dad Zimbabwean, so one, two, three, four, five, six, Zimbabwean. Well. And, and how many passport, and, and, and you can have a passport in all of those if you if you wanted to do that? If you wanted to, I think I've got three at the moment. Um but yeah, the South African passport's not really well worth it, I suppose. But yeah, so just the three at the moment, but we'll see. Just, just the three. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the upcoming season. So you're down in Australia. You're going to be heading back to um, these shores uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, is uh, um, and and you know, there's no way that Dougie's listening to this. So what kind of shape are you in? Um, just a little bit about your training. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going well. Um, 
uh, put on a couple of kegs in, a, in the right way um, and lots of running and that sort of thing. Um, bought myself some, we call them career savers. They're essentially old man rugby boots. Um, they don't look like rugby boots, but they're really sort of comfortable just to save the calves and I've been doing a lot of running and that sort of thing. Um, so no, I'm in good shape, ready to go. I think that's the main thing eh, with our season being just a little bit sort of higgledy-piggledy and not probably as structured as we would like as that pre-season is going to be condensed. Um, and so we need all of our boys to be coming in you know, fighting shape, um, ready to go within a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and 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 have you had support from the old glory performance staff helping you out, making sure that monitoring you, like yeah, you, know, you have a wearable where they where they can follow your heart rate, do they? <laughs> not, not quite that. Oh, not quite pretty that, close. But, yeah. <laughs> Full topless mirror sessions after That's right. know, every yeah, couple yeah. of days. <laughs> oh, um, <yeah>. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's talk a little bit about this upcoming season for you. So you know you got your taste in for the Legion in 2017. You you came out of the blocks really strong. When you go into the season, what are some of the things that you want to accomplish? What are some of your personal goals as you as you step on the field for Old Glory in 2021? Yeah, totally. That that's a good one, Peter. Um, so I suppose for me, it's it's just carrying on 2020. Um, got the sort of got the wheels going. Had some pretty uh, strong performances and was feeling really good. Um, and everyone says, you know, loose forwards start hitting their strides in that sort of that mid-20s, and I felt like I was getting there um, with a good understanding of the game and, and battling or, I guess, balancing the, the leadership style as well. Um, so I, I'd like to carry on that. Um, I'd be happy to be in that form team a fair few times throughout the season, and that'll be the goal. Um, I do know that there's a lot of great loose forwards coming to the coming to the league, though, um, and it's sort of in addition to last year, obviously, you had sort of... Uh, Matt Heaton was he talked about Nakai Penny um, you got you know Sam Wuchung down in, in SD um, Chris Robshaw obviously not well sometimes a seven um, in SD as well um, you know I lived with a bloke um, McLean Jones who's now with the um, Gil, Gil Gronies um, and he's a great player and, and a good mate of mine so it'll be a good battle against him um, so there's some great players some good sevens around and it'll be proving myself against them uh, but obviously I come first, I suppose, in terms of my own eyes, and so I want to be, uh, <laughs> I want to be taking it out without yes. being a, a, a arrogant. They can suck it. I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm Team Mungo. They can suck it. All right, buddy. Yeah, no, long, no longer Team Tucker. Brad, who? <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'll leave you with two things, Mungo. Hey, super excited to have you back. Like I said, one of the stars of 2020. I think you're only going to improve on that in 2021. The second, now you're a lawyer. And we've talked about Brad Tucker. There's a restraining order in place I need to get around. Can you just give me some pointers when you get here on kind of the do's and don'ts with that? And me and Brad, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, you're a good yeah. man. Mungo, oh, appreciate good. you joining the show, here. brother. And uh, no, excited to see you back in Old Glory, Washington, D.C. and here at the end of the month. Beautiful. Can't wait to let. Cheers, guys. Well, beating heart be still. How about that? Mungo Mason. Oof. Pete. What is it with you and bat row forwards? I mean, oh, and and Sam Windsor. Yeah, Sam, Sam's tough. He could play seven too. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure but, he could. I'm sure he could. I, I mean, tell you, Pete. Journey. Yeah, what, what a journey. But I tell you what, those four interviews have just got me so fired up from round one. I don't know who to go for in this one. This is going to be an absolutely oh, cracker you know, game. Yeah, I, I think I think this is certainly, you know, it's going to be one of. The, I mean, this is going to be a high scoring game. Right. Um, it's going to be high scoring for two reasons. One is both teams 
like to play with the ball in hand. They like to try and score points. But for the first game of the season, that also means there's probably going to be a lot of turnovers, a lot of balls dropped, a lot of things not quite working out. And those transitions are where both of these teams have, have players that could really do damage. So I think this is going to be one of those, you know, both teams score in the high 30s, maybe get into the 40s. It's going to be back and forth and it's going to be a great game. But having said all of that, and, and we, you know, we heard Dougie talk about this and we've heard Nate talk about it as well, where, you know, as much as they both like to play pretty rugby, it starts with the physicality. And I think it's going to start up front. And the big question that I think, you know, um, old glory have to answer is their scrum. It sounds like that they've made some investments to do that, but it's still going to be the first game for them. Probably a little bit more continuity for the forwards um, in NOLA, but the battle, you know, what's, the classic phrase is that forwards decide who wins the game and the backs decide by how much. And I think that this is going to be one of the games that's going to be like that. Yeah. How about some of the matchups early on? JP Duplessis, his first game in, in Nola Gold, going up against that back line, threaten Palamo. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're going to have Doug Fraser, the Canadian international coming in there, Jace Robinson, Tusitala. We heard DTS isn't coming back, but there was a little bit of a carrot dangled out there potentially for uh, – someone coming in at that fullback position. So ooh, hold on to your hats, folks. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, I, I, I think it is. And also you've got, you know, some great back row matchups, right? I think, I think that, you know, it's for me, you know, I think, I think where Nola probably have a little bit of an edge because they've been around a little bit longer is they have a little bit more depth. So we don't even know what Nate Osborne's starting lineup is going to be because they've got so much competition. I don't think Old Glory quite have that depth yet, right? I think they're still early. Um, there are definitely, and, and we heard Mungo talk about some of the younger guys that, that he thinks could be, could be really good. We heard Dougie talk about some of the athletes that they have. But those guys on the bench probably are going to be a bit of a step down. So I think that from um, Nola's perspective, if it's going to be close with 20 minutes to go, they probably expect to um, pull away. And I think from Old Glory's perspective, they've got to be like, we have to start like early start well, get up, and then hold on till the end. But, yeah, those matchups are going to be great. It's just, you know, Dan, it's like 2021. We're talking about real rugby. It's going to happen. It's just really, really exciting. It's around the corner. Devin Short as well. I forgot about Devin Short. Malcolm May. Man, yeah. that back row for Nola is going to be so strong. But same for Old Glory. It's going to be a good one. All right, Pete, let's go around the grounds now. Some news coming through. The big news, obviously, coming out of New York. James Kennedy, uh, one of the uh, original owners of New York, has sold his stake to the Bolton Equities Group, who were part owners uh, this 2020 season. So James Kennedy, um, I think everyone can agree, one of the great characters of American rugby landscape is JK. Uh, he was fantastic to me during my time coming out and calling games at Rooney. Took care of my family one night. Coney Island had him up to his owner's box. It was rainy. It was miserable. I had my wife, two kids. He invited them up, made sure they were warm, well-fed, taken care of. He may have regretted that at about the 45th minute with my daughter going crazy. But he did it anyway. He's a good dude. So um, obviously sad to see JK go, but it's good to see – that ownership group come in uh, and, and strengthen. And like most people are saying, professional sports, here we are. Yeah. This happens all so, the time. Yeah. And, and you know, Bolton Equities have um, experience of um, rugby ownership down um, in New Zealand through Super Rugby, um, owning a franchise down there. So I think that it's going to be, and I think it's always hard, right? So, you know, when, when you've got split ownership, especially in, in a year like this where it's COVID and you've got to make some choices, you've got to make some choices about whether you're going to spend more money, where you're going to save money. I think it would be hard to have 
really an ownership ownership group that will split like Rooney. So I think this will be good for Rooney in the sense that they'll have some pretty clear decision making. But, you know, I have to say that all of my experiences were with James Kennedy were memorable. Man, that guy is such a character and brought so much energy. And I think, you know, should be remembered as the guy that got Major League Rugby into New York. It, you know, we look at places like Chicago that don't, you know, that, that, that don't have a team or San Francisco, some of these hotbeds. It, it takes someone with, with, with vision and willing to put their hand in their pocket to get up and running. And James Kennedy did that with Rooney. Absolutely. So interesting to see the new landscape and we look forward to some good things coming out of New York as we say goodbye to JK. I'm sure he'll stay involved with the game some way, somehow. Uh, ATL confirmed Stephen Brett. We kind of knew that one as well. Um, he put some stuff up on his socials, but that appointment is now confirmed from Rugby Atlanta, a very sharp rugby mind who uh, was starting to do some good things at Glendale yep. uh, before the season ended. KB, Kevin Battle, he's a guillotine in 2021. You want to talk about the rugby landscape in America. Not too many people have been involved as long as KB, one of the real good guys and excited to see him back in professional rugby. Yeah, actually, so um, I think and I can't remember if it's my first experience with Kevin, but it was certainly um, one of the most intense experiences was um, when I was coaching the USA um, Hawks and he was an assistant to the USA Falcons at the NA4, I think it was 2006. Man, that was a long time ago. That was 15 years ago. Oof, you old, man. So you I old. am old. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's when I first met, met Kevin. But you're right. I mean, he brings a lot of experience to that role. I think two World Cups with the Eagles. Um, very passionate. Uh, um, you know, he's done a, um, a lot of good work with, with his academy, helping um, people use rugby as a way to improve their life. And um, I think LA have a good guy there. And I think one of the really important things about Kevin Battle for LA is he gives them a real strong connection with the US um, rugby community, um, especially, you know, he's, he's been involved in the D1A, right? And so, so in elite college rugby, he'll be well connected. Um, you know, he's going there as sort of the team manager, but I'm sure they'll be using some of the knowledge that he has of players, coaches, and using his network to help develop their long-term player development strategy. Yeah, really heavily involved at Santa Barbara as well, just as north of LA there. So just opens that net a little bit uh, right. wider for the right. LA yeah, side. That's where his academy All works. right, let's yeah. jump. Yep, Santa Barbara. Yeah, good spot. Good spot. If anyone out there has an Airbnb, they want to give Pete and I for a week, long weekend, free of charge, we're in. All right, signing Sydney Shoop, young fella out of the Carolinas. Uh, I believe a scrum half. He'll sign with the Austin Gilgronies. LA, they get Glenn Bryce, Viseliasi, and Charlie Abel. Gabe Farley, he goes down to Nola Gold. Seattle gets JP Aguere. Extensions in Seattle also. Stephen Kutzi, Ross Neal, and uh, I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Andrew Dillertalo, question mark. We're not sure. There's a little social media chatter that uh, they announced he's re-signing and he threw up an old hashtag fake news, but uh, after the year we just went through fake news, who knows what that means anymore. So uh, anyone jump out on that list for you for signings or extensions, Pete? Yeah, I, I think the Glenn Bryce um, signing is pretty interesting. I mean, this is a guy that's been starting at fullback for the Glasgow Warriors. Um, I think he's 28 or 29. Um, it's one of those that, uh, you know, when, when you look at Scotland and you look at Edinburgh and Glasgow, you know, they're run by the Scottish Rugby Union. They're looking for players that can be capped. He's not going to be capped 
the Glasgow Warriors have 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 some younger players that can come through. But he's a quality player. I mean, he's been a bit of a stud for the worry um, for the Warriors in the in the Pro 14. So that is a really interesting um, signing. And um, you know, I think Seattle have picked up a quality player in JP. Um, I don't think we saw like you know he played at Austin, um, then to Rooney, and now to Seattle. But I think that guy is a quality player. If they give him some time, I think that'll be a real boost for the midfield. Yeah, good good story too, JP Aguirre. He's uh, come up here to go to school at Lindenwood and then, you know, MLR comes up and he's kind of, like you said, I think he's bounced around. I think there's a real opportunity for him to take that number 12 jersey in Seattle. Probably going to have Ross Neal at 13, you would think, um, if, he's, if he's healthy. And I know they like to make a lot of jokes about his, uh, his attrition rate up there, Big Ross, but when he's healthy, quality player. Yeah. So you think those two in the centres, that's a good step forward for Seattle to kind of erase the memories of 2020. I think that's yeah. right. I think, I, I think that's right. And so, you know, if you remember in the first two years, um, Shalom Suniula was really their 12. And when he wasn't playing 12, whether they played him at 10 or 13, it, the, the bat line didn't work. It just didn't. He was just one of those guys that was always in the right place. He led their... You know, the Seawall the first year, that was that, I think from that 12th position, he really led it. He's a quality player. So um, this is a, a younger guy coming in. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I think there's an opportunity for him. Yeah, absolutely. Will be a good one. Pete, this was a good one. It was a long one, but I enjoyed it. I think the four guests thing, we can make it work. We can yeah, squeeze we can it make in. It work. We can squeeze it in. And of course, don't forget the podcast brought to you as always by shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop. Folks, I hope you all had a great holiday season. We're as excited as you to see Major League Rugby kick off again. I don't know the exact number of days because I don't know when you're listening, but I know it's on March 20th, and I cannot wait, Pete. Me too, Dan. And just a reminder to all of our listeners, wherever you listen to your podcast, please leave a review. Um, The more that you leave reviews, the more people can find us around the world, the more that we grow the word of Major League Rugby. Um, And if you leave a good one, we'll read it out on uh on one of the podcasts so um whether it's a um you know google play stitcher um apple where wherever you get your podcast go leave a leave a quick review make a shout out to dan let dan know who is next bromance should be with if you think it's mungo mason and we'll definitely um we'll definitely be reading those out absolutely go make spotify too they gave joe rogan a ton of money so maybe they'll give us some as well all right folks for pete steinberg aaron castro i'm dan power this has been the mlr kickoff podcast